Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Remember, you can listen to all the past episodes of Throwback FDNY by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. Now let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, Wesley Williams, the first black officer in FDNY history, is appointed in 1919. In 1972, the Model Cities program is instituted to help combat economic disparities in New York City's most fire-ravaged communities, and a lasting tribute to Captain Vernon A. Richard, one of the 343 members lost in 2001. When people talk about the history and struggle to integrate the FDNY in the early days of the 20th century, the name that always rises to the surface is Chief Wesley Williams. Building off the legacies of other African Americans that were appointed to the department, Chief Williams is lauded for raising the awareness to the fact that race should not and is not a factor in one's ability to be a firefighter or a fire officer in the FDNY. Wesley Williams was appointed to the FDNY in 1919. Even though his color kept him from taking preparatory classes for the FDNY exam, he nevertheless ranked number 13 out of the 2,700 applicants that took the test. Back in those days, firefighters were appointed as ununiformed firemen and assigned directly to a fire company without any training beforehand. While all appointees were put through harsh scrutiny by the seasoned firefighters of the company, Williams' trial by fire went far beyond that. In fact, the department culture at the time was for disputes in the firehouse to be settled in the cellar, where the two members at odds would duke it out, often with one coming out the worse for wear. And that as an avid bodybuilder, Williams showed time after time that he was not one to be pushed around or treated with disdain. Williams became the first African-American to become an officer in the FDNY when he was promoted to lieutenant in 1927. He was promoted to captain in 1934 and to battalion chief in 1938. There are numerous photographs of Chief Williams in the collection of the New York City Fire Museum, but one is of particular note. It shows the members of Engine Company 55 in front of quarters in 1919. On the back, in Williams' own hand, are the names of everyone in the photo, plus a note that reads, quote, Fireman O'Toole refused to be in the picture because I was in it. He said he would never be in a picture with an N-word, end quote. By 1940, there were 40 black men in the fire department, all facing similar problems. Chief Williams suggested that they organize, and the result was the FDNY Vulcan Society being born. Wesley Williams never held office in the Vulcan Society, but he is recognized as the spirited force behind the organization throughout his life. If you would like to learn more about this extraordinary man, I recommend you read his biography, The Chief, New York's first black fire chief, written by his son, Charles. We salute the tenacity of Battalion Chief Wesley Williams and make note of his mark on FDNY history. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Brown, the new executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our Throwback FDNY podcast. We invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. 
To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. The 1960s was a turbulent decade in many ways. Members who worked in the era referred to it as the war years because of the plethora of multiple alarm structure fires, false alarms, rampant arson, and attacks on firefighters. The crisis lasted well into the 1970s. One federal government program under President Johnson's War on Poverty was developed to address some of the needs as well as the problems in disadvantaged communities. It was called the Model Cities Program, funded by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and New York City was one of the places where those funds were put to use. Its goal was to invest in the youth of key areas in the city with an emphasis on encouraging young black urban leaders. The FDNY was a key resource in the program. The department received funding for three distinct areas of service, the Community Fire Safety Education Corps, the Fire Salvage Corps, and the Model Cities Firemen, all launched in 1972. The Model Cities Firemen component never got off the ground. It was challenged and was halted by the New York State Supreme Court before it could ever begin. The Community Fire Safety Education Corps sent young men out to speak on a broad range of topics in communities that were hit hardest by the rash of fires. This included everything from fire prevention to the importance of not opening hydrants without a proper spray cap in the summer. They attempted to explain why false alarms were so dangerous to both the firefighters and neighborhood residents alike. The Fire Salvage Corps did very much the same job as the New York Fire Patrol, but in areas of the city that the patrol did not cover. Their role was to enter buildings to protect areas below the floor on fire from water damage and after the fire to aid in cleanup and secure any doors or windows that were damaged in order to help protect the property. How did the program work? Well, to become a member of the FDY Model Cities program, you had to be a male between the ages of 19 and 27, pass written and physical exams, be free of any substance abuse or felonies, and live in one of the three Model Cities communities, both at the time of hiring and for the duration of the employment. The communities involved were the South Bronx, Central Brooklyn, Harlem, and East Harlem, all predominantly black neighborhoods. They received a salary of $100 per week. Members were issued dress uniforms, and those in the Fire Salvage Corps had turnout gear, just like FDMI firefighters, with a distinctive helmet front that read Fire Salvage and had their company number. 18 officers of the regular FDNY and 35 other members of the uniform force were assigned to oversee various components of the Model Cities program. Of those, one name might be recognizable to ardent FDNY history buffs. Lieutenant Joseph Casabury oversaw the Community Fire Safety Education Unit in the South Bronx. He went on to serve as Chief of Department from January 1997 to October 1999. Since funding came from a federal grant, the program could not go on forever. Fortunately, the FDNY was able to secure new funding and later the program was expanded. But eventually, all funding ran out and the Salvage Corps was discontinued. Approximately 14 corpsmen went on to become firefighters in the FDNY, with many others successfully taking various exams and getting other civil service jobs. That was one of the goals of the program that can certainly be said to be a success. The New York City Fire Museum is lacking artifacts from this important piece of FDNY history. If anyone has an item from the Model Cities program that they would be willing to donate, please contact the museum via the email address curator at nycfiremuseum.org. The New York City Fire Museum shop offers a wide selection of museum souvenirs and FDNY licensed products. 
to acknowledge the 20th anniversary of the tragic events of September 11, 2001, and the 343 members of the FDNY who gave their lives that day, we are offering several commemorative items, including a Maltese cross decal and lapel pin, a 9-11 Memorial Challenge coin, and a beautiful high-quality 343 t-shirt. Proceeds from all sales help fulfill our mission to preserve, educate, and celebrate, and to remember the brave men and women of the FDNY, not just on September 11th, but every day. You can make purchases at the museum or online by visiting our website, www.nycfiremuseum.org forward slash shop. All of us are painfully aware of the 343 members of the FDNY that were killed on September 11th, 2001. Each one of them left a legacy, be it to their friends and family, or to the department and the people of the city of New York. I would like to take this opportunity to tell you about the legacy of one of those men that made the supreme sacrifice 20 years ago, Captain Vernon A. Richard of Ladder Company 7. Captain Richard was a native New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, where he attended Boys High School and Kingsborough College. He served his country in the United States Army as a sergeant in South Korea. While working for Con Edison, Captain Richard received the call that he long waited for, and on December 17, 1977, he became a firefighter with the FDNY. Upon completion of probationary firefighter school, Firefighter Richard was assigned to Ladder Company 17 in the Mott Haven neighborhood of the Bronx. He spent the next 16 years with that company until he was promoted to lieutenant, moving to Ladder 7 on the east side of Manhattan. Throughout his career, Lieutenant Richard was a mentor, teacher, and an avid student in his own right. At the time of his passing, he was on the list for promotion to captain. This passion for both his job and the opportunities it presented to him and the youth in the community was exhibited in his involvement with numerous programs to interest and encourage them to pursue a career with the FDNY. He was also an active member of the FDNY Vulcan Society's outreach and exam preparation programs. On September 11, 2001, Lieutenant Richard responded with his company to the World Trade Center. He and five of those members made the supreme sacrifice when the South Tower collapsed. Lieutenant Richard was posthumously promoted to the rank of captain. Fifteen years after that tragic day, Captain Richard received a recognition that he could never have imagined and which was the best way to honor his memory. On June 30, 2016, the FDNY Fire and Life Safety High School was renamed the Captain Vernon A. Richard High School for Fire and Life Safety. The school, located in East New York, Brooklyn, was the result of the city's Small Schools of Choice initiative, which split the former Thomas Jefferson High School campus into four schools in partnership with community organizations, in this case, the FDNY. The initiative was designed to replace large high schools in disadvantaged areas that had graduation rates under 45% with smaller programs that encourage dedication through specialized study and prospects for successful post-graduation careers. Launched in 2004 as part of the department's Youth Pipeline Program, the school offers students elective courses beyond their basic educational requirements during their junior and senior years. The courses are taught by active and retired members of the uniform force. Upon graduation, the students are afforded an opportunity to continue their education to become first responders, uniquely positioning them for employment by EMS agencies and potentially the FDNY itself. Clearly, the Captain Vernon Richard High School is a shining example of the goal of the Small Schools of Choice Initiative, boasting a graduation rate as high as 83% and consistently scoring over 70%. 
Captain Richard would be immensely proud of these young people, both for the interest they show in following a career path that he loves so much, and for their dedication to their studies in the same way he was dedicated to his studies. The program is as if it was designed by Captain Richard himself. For more information on the Captain Vernon A. Richard High School for Fire and Life Safety, call 718-688-7930 or contact info at fdnyhsbk.org. Well, it gives me great pleasure at this point to introduce our new executive director for the museum, Jennifer Brown. Hi, Carrie. I, I can't tell you how happy I am. Well, first of all, I'm happy to be retiring. That's a whole separate story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the museum is such an exciting place. You know, our history goes back to 1870, and we moved into the current location in 1987. And I'm just so happy to have Jennifer join the list of executive directors, and we hope that uh, we see new things going on. So, what do you have in mind, Jennifer, that we could tell people about? Well, first and foremost, we're really excited to welcome more visitors back to the museum. You know, it's been a little quiet over the last two years, but we are open for business, as is all of New York City. So we really want to welcome local visitors, regional visitors, international visitors back to the museum. We're also really excited to welcome back more school groups. We do have our Fire and Life Safety Education Center, where we welcome a lot of school groups each year. That also has been fairly quiet due to the pandemic, but we're looking forward to welcoming more of those groups back as well. And, you know, we really don't talk too much in the podcast about uh, what goes on in the museum on a day-to-day basis. You know, we look back at FDNY history, you know, back to his, and, you know, FDNY history, you know, 20 years or more in the past. But, you know, a lot of exciting things go on at the museum. And I know, like we did last year, we've got some new things going on that the public can get involved with, like our fundraising efforts. You know, can you mention some of those things that you've got planned? Absolutely. So you're right. I mean, as you know, the museum focuses a lot on the history of the department and fire service in New York City. So it's very historic. But the museum itself is a living, breathing cultural institution that's open five days a week. And we have a lot of events there. We have these groups coming in and out, as I mentioned. And this year in particular, in 2022, we're really excited to start back with some of our signature events. We're having our golf outing in June. We're planning to do other events later in the fall that uh, are return events from, from prior years. And also we're looking to do some new things, some special exhibits, and hopefully more to follow. Our whole Throwback FDNY podcast series is about past history in the fire department. But, you know, history happens every day, and the museum is responsible for collecting that. And uh, we have an exhibit coming up that will celebrate all the activities of the fire department during the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in the works for that? So... We are very excited to unveil this year our exhibit, Unmasking Our Heroes, which really honors the sacrifice of the members of the New York City Fire Department during the pandemic, including interviews, one-on-one interviews with some of the EMS members who responded to the pandemic. And we will also have showcase pieces on how the public responded and thanked the members of the New York City Fire Department as first responders during the pandemic. So as the host of the Throwback FDNY podcast, I hope to have you back and tell us more about the museum as we move forward. Great. Thank you. (laughs) 
And now it's time for our Throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. What building was on fire in 1912 when Chief John Kenlon called Brooklyn companies to respond into Manhattan? The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you by the New York City Fire Museum, the official museum of the FDNY. With help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official nonprofit organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important safety tip. If you're escaping from a fire in any building, close all the doors after you pass through them. As we just saw at a devastating fire that claimed the lives of 17 people, leaving doors open allows smoke and flames to travel, endangering the lives of people on the floors above. If you live in an apartment with self-closing doors, test them frequently to make sure they work. And if they don't, notify the building manager immediately to have them repaired. We could all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Thank you and be safe.